Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an oft-forgotten installment of a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and in the words of Breathless, I know how you feel. You don't know if you want to hit me or kiss me. I get a lot of that. And with me, I've got Liam. I'm having a thought. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm going to have a thought. I'm coming. <laughs> And Mitch, actually, wait, Mitch. Before you say that, Liam, who said that? Uh, Al Pacino's character, bad boy, big, big boy. boy, yeah, large man. Um, and then Mitch, hello, Mitch. What is your Mitch? In the words of Dick Tracy, okay, tough guy. Now, do you want to give the kid a piece of chicken? <laughs> do we have any quotes that we really wanted to say that didn't make the cut? Because I feel like I had several written down. Now I'm looking for them, and I can't actually find some of them, but. Yeah, th- I I had one that um was like weirdly eighty yard. I don't know why they decided to to slip this in, but you just hear someone go at the end of a scene. We're gonna get him tucked in real nice where he doesn't need walnuts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've also got uh just no grief for lips, <laughs> which was pretty good. Um. I don't really know how to tee this one up. Um, so we're talking about Dick Tracy. Um, perhaps best known for a Super Bowl commercial for Zoom. Uh, that's my joke for the intro to the Dick Tracy episode. But um, yeah, man, I don't know. Uh, so what I'm going to do instead is just go to Mitch and defer and ask Mitch why he picked this movie for us to watch. <laughs> so... Uh, growing up, I had this comic book, um, like a Dick Tracy comic book, and it would have been published about the time that the film came out. I think it was actually published alongside the film. And it was Dick Tracy episode one, Big Boy Turns Up the Heat. And it actually follows beat for beat like the first half of this movie. And I really liked the comic book. It used to live inside of like the Ford Sienna that we had when I was a kid, or maybe it was a Ford Winds or the Toyota Sienna or the Ford Windstar. I think it made it through yeah. like both of those. We, we those. were a Windstar family yeah. when we had a minivan. Yeah, we we did too because the Windstar gave out. Uh, yeah, and it was a real, real mess. But yeah, uh, yeah I, so around that time, I had this this book when I was like pretty young. And I used to love it. And I had read it like front to back a million times. It was just like a single comic book. But I never actually owned the other one, so I didn't know where it was. And I also didn't know that, that it followed the events of the movie. So when we, I started watching this, it was very bizarre how... You oh, know, you didn't notice until like the movie was on. Yeah, that I was like, fuck, it's Today? the events of the comic book. And then I, then I actually found out how it ends, because the comic book ends on a cliffhanger about like the halfway point through the movie. Oh, my God. Um, so that was cathartic, and that was like a little added bonus. But I picked this movie because... I liked the comic book as a kid and I liked the, the character, the mystique of Dick Tracy. He's kind of like, you know, the life before he adopted a monkey named George. Right. And just really quick for anybody <laughs> who doesn't know, um, Dick Tracy is like an old newspaper strip about a detective from the thirties. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, he wears uh, like a, a yellow overcoat and a yellow hat and he fights crime and all the characters that he fights are always grotesque and, and uh, yeah, it, it ran, I think, from like the 30s well into the 70s and then in the 90s there was a re- small resurgence of interest in the character. I feel like there was a point around the time of this movie came out where there were several different like blockbusters of different varieties and sizes where they were adapting these like film strip kind of things well i mean batman like, uh, like the, t- the tim burton ones in the yeah. 80s were basically that and like the sh- was it like the shadow or something which one had billy zane in it oh i think i know what you mean um, there was a billy zane one and there was a like dark man and there was like a bunch of movies with this kind of tone um it's a very weird, like, cultural zeitgeist blip. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of fascinating. I don't really know what to make of it, to be honest. I don't know. I- I'm curious as to why those were briefly in vogue again. Yeah, those those old, like, serials, those those old comic books kind of came back. I mean, you also had, what, the, the Phantom movie in the 90s, too? Maybe the Phantom's the one with Billy Zane. No, this is The Shadow is, is uh, also a movie, I, but uh, I don't know if it has him in it. The Phantom is the one with Billy Zane. Yeah, okay. We've, okay. The Shadow. Is, the Shadow is another one. Though. I think it was like a a, a 30s like music. The uh, Shadow is Alec Baldwin. Yeah, it was a radio drama, I'm pretty sure, but also a comic book. Um, yeah. I'm pretty sure Orson Welles played The Shadow in the, in the radio. I'm not sure, though. Only The Shadow knows, you know? Uh, the bad guy in The Shadow is described in this plot description as a deadly descendant of Genghis Khan. Huh. There's so many people who are descended from Genghis Khan just based on yeah. you know the Mongols and how they expanded. <laughs> just a law of large numbers. Yeah. Um Yeah, that's interesting. So Liam, did you know what Dick Tracy's deal was before we decided to watch this movie at all? No, I d I didn't know what his deal was. I, I knew his name. Um there's an angry video game nerd episode about the Dick Tracy game. Yeah. Which is based on on this version of it, this movie. So, you know, I've seen that a few times, but beyond that, no. Um, I didn't know who played Dick Tracy. I I didn't know his watch thing, which I think you mentioned last week, Corey. You knew about his watch. Did I, I say that. I did not know about his watch? I think oh, I mentioned okay. it last There's week. There's no mm. way I knew about his watch. Yeah, I, I mentioned well, it last week. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I too didn't know about his watch. Um, <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have even been able to tell you the year the movie came out. Like, I... I knew kind of based on that angry video game nerd thing that it would have been like late 80s, early 90s. Um, but I didn't know for sure. Um, I did not know that Warren Beatty has kept reprising this role. Like I didn't know about the Super Bowl commercial. Um, this yeah. is just a total uh, a total blip to me. I had no, no clue what I was in for. I didn't even know that it was based on a comic strip. I, I think I knew it was based on a comic, but, you know, I assumed it would be like a uh, a serialized full-page comic. I certainly didn't know it was a, a strip. Yeah, I, I'm going to say more about you. I knew a little bit more, but I have also seen the Angry Video Game Nerd video about the Dick Tracy video game. Uh mm-hmm. It's a classic. It is a classic. And I knew like the vague gist of what Dick Tracy's deal was, but that that's kind of it. And I, I recently found out as, as Liam alluded to that Warren Beatty is some sort of like Dick Tracy obsessed 
man um so the long and short version of what some kind of <laughs> dick tracy obsessed man he's yeah. a maniac it <laughs> happens to hell he kind of is like so the rights to dick tracy to make a movie were bouncing around uh for like 15 years dick, and uh warren Beatty had a idea as early as like the mid 70s and then like a bunch of studios bounced it back and forth and stuff and then the long story short warren Beatty eventually just decided fuck it i'm going to buy the rights to dick tracy myself for a few million dollars and go off of one of the scripts that had already been bouncing around the studio circuit and then once all the song and dance was set up with the funding um Warren Beatty then proceeded to also be a producer, the star, the director of the movie, and him and one other person significantly punched up and rewrote the dialogue. Like, he was all over this fucking movie. This is, this is like floor-to-ceiling Warren Beatty. Wow. Um, yeah. And, um, like, part of the financing came from his own production company and... He, like, directed it, as I said, stars in it, helped with the writing of it. Like, every every element was there. And, uh, yeah, in a few years ago, he put out something called Dick Tracy Special, um, which is, like, him in character being interviewed. Uh, and that was to make sure he didn't lose the rights to owning Dick Tracy. Yeah, this happened this year. It was for this Super Bowl. There was the Dick Tracy special, Tracy Zooms In, in which Warren Beatty in character as Dick Tracy has a conversation with Ben Mankiewicz from TCM. And um, in that video, which is like a short, it's like a 25-minute short that also had like a commercial version, um, Warren Beatty joins the call as Warren Beatty, and Warren Beatty is also on the call playing Dick Tracy. So no one else can make a Dick Tracy movie right now. No one else can make a Dick Tracy movie right now. No, and wow. and call it that. Like nobody can maybe, right, maybe yeah. Cock Macy. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, he's just like stoked on Dick Tracy, I guess. The dude loves Dick. <laughs> and that's the end of this episode. Um I guess, you know, in the words of Corey, the dude loves dick. In the words of me, the yeah, um, but yeah, I. Uh, th- it's always frustrating when we do a movie and I feel like it doesn't lend itself to like a good prompt. Like last week was great. That whole username discussion based off the the prompt of the of the username in the movie and then like early internet and Blair Witch was like tied into that and the rebooting it. We knew those guys. It was all there. I don't know what the fuck to do with Dick Tracy. I don't know. I'm supposed to have some kind of bit for this. I don't fucking know. What do I look like? (laughs) Some kind of genius. Yeah. I got, I got nothing, dude. I've Um, got nothing at all. I I, I watched the the movie. I can talk about that, but no, I wasn't like, you know, it's, 
it's really something that this this movie as a movie seems to have escaped me because I've heard about a lot of the other kids movies from that time, you know, Batman, Super Mario Bros, the kids movies based on other properties, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It seems like this one sort of came and went. I mean, I read that it made decent money, but but I guess not having a sequel, um, having it kind of tied up in rights kind of made it fade and then so much other stuff just happened in the 90s that this maybe this just didn't come out at a at a great time and so i'm sure there's a there's a a group of of kids who are kids around this time who who think very fondly of this movie and can talk about it but to me it doesn't have that what's also fascinating about it is this movie is filled to the absolute brim with recognizable talent um, so it's kind of fascinating that it doesn't have more like relevant staying power based purely on that. It's true. It's um, faded into obscurity, and there's and there's stars on in, in the front of the camera, behind the camera. Yeah, yeah. Almost every single actor in this movie, I dare say, uh, is some kind of name. Uh, that's not even that much of an exaggeration. Uh, marketing for this movie included um, a specific part of the show on madonna's 1990 world tour where there were backup dancers fucking dressed like dick tracy like this was a whole thing and then it just sort of vanished uh which i guess is kind of fascinating in its own right that um it just sort of disappeared and it makes me wonder why well how did mitch know about this about about Dick Tracy, like th- this version specifically, is it just because of your experience with the uh, the comic? I've, and then... I've always known that it that it exists. Like um, I've seen like stills from it on Twitter and stuff. Actually, a couple weeks ago at work, it was it was actually it was be a couple months ago. Um, it was playing, and I was talking to Corey about it, and Corey mentioned, "Oh, you know that would be a good one to do on the pod." And I was like, yeah, you're fucking right. We should do it on the pod. And then we were talking about it in another episode, one that I don't think you were there on. And uh, every time we said the phrase Dick Tracy, Corey added censorship, which is really pretty fucking funny. That yeah. is funny. I won't be doing it here because there's simply too many, but what a, what a concept, right? Yeah, to censor out Dick Tracy. I feel like it would be like if an AI were to edit the podcast, that's what it would do. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so I've always been aware of it, um, but not like I've seen like stills from it, but I had no idea about like the lore uh, with the, with this film and and the the you know circumstances behind the production and how it never really took off or um, the sheer level of talent behind it. Like when I was reading through the the credits, I was just astonished with with how many people are in this movie and how nobody talks about it anymore. Um. Oh, I had a good thing I wanted to say, and I just lost it. Well, we'll see if I think of that. But for now, uh, let's just learn more about this movie, like who made it and why we're gushing so much about all of the people involved. Uh, as I said, this movie's directed by Warren Beatty, who you you might know for directing Dick Tracy Special and Dick Tracy Special Tracy Zooms In. <laughs> i just i just knew him from uh the oscars la la land thing yeah i mean the and it made me feel oh, very is that young. him yeah oh yeah him and faye dunaway oh uh uh people might know him from like i don't know 
the parallax view. I mean, uh, he he and and Faye Dunaway were Bonnie and Clyde in the Bonnie and Clyde film. Um, yeah, the year he was after, a big deal in the seventies. <laughs> yeah, the year after this film, uh, he directed Bugsy, which is a really great gangster film about Bugsy Siegel. Um, I highly recommend that movie. That one's a lot of fun. I actually didn't write a lot of credits down for him because I thought it would be funnier to only write down the Dick Tracy ones. <laughs> well, he was a force of nature in the seventies. I mean, I don't know if any of yeah. you have seen Shampoo. That movie rules. I haven't seen it, but I'm familiar with it. Or Heaven Can Wait. Again, that's one that we could do on the podcast, actually, because that's a remake of a Lubitsch film. Ah. Um, Liam, I'm about to rock your world. Rock it. My world needs some rocking. We've got two writers because uh, Warren Beatty and his colleague Bo Goldman uh, were not credited for their rewrites because of some dispute with the Writers Guild. Um. Mm. But this movie was written by Jim Cash and Jack Epps Jr. Do those names ring a bell? No. They will. Um, ring my bell. It's going to take three credits and then the bell will ring. We've got... Uh, they wrote Top Gun. Like OG Top Gun. They wrote uh, Turner and Hooch. The movie about Tim... Uh, I was said Tim Allen. Tom Hanks and a dog. Anaconda, Big Snake, mm, yeah, and and I can't even believe I'm saying this. The Flintstones in Viva Rock Vegas. Uh oh, what? Remember how that movie had four writers? Oh yeah, I guess it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. These I just think I think of the of other them. two. Yeah, I think of Lafont. Yeah, right. Is that it? I, he's Harry the director. and Deborah or something? Yeah. Oh, Levant. Levant's the director, and then there was two others. Yeah. Yeah. But the other two writers are these guys. Okay. Fascinating. Yeah. All um, right. Um, it's a good thing I didn't know that going in, or I It's also a good thing I didn't know that going in, or else I would have had an extreme, unconscionable bias. Uh, wow. Terrible movie, Mitch. Awful film. Noted. Up to this point still in probably the top three worst things we've ever done ever and it's not particularly close it may well be the worst i just i don't want to discount anything i might be forgetting yeah 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 maybe at some point we can do uh some all-time lists yeah i think we're getting there yeah i mean we're at the point where we're forgetting movies we've done. We just need Mitch to forget a movie he's been on an episode That's for. the signal. I forget them all the time. Yeah, you you definitely have been kind of casual about forgetting them. That's for sure. I guess, or whenever we hit our next like big milestone number, maybe, of like episode number, because I know we don't track that super closely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's a that's a that's a, that's an omen. I'll uh, rewatch every movie we've done so that I can give you all a proper list. That would be wild yeah like what if they made another one became a show where we remake our own podcast like we watch the same movies in the same order it, it wouldn't be hell i mean that people would be- have have put themselves through much more specific hell you know the same movie over and over we got a good amount to choose from switch around the order a bit we'd be okay <laughs> this movie is edited by richard marks who uh has done a lot um including Broadcast News, You've Got Mail, Pretty in Pink, St. Elmo's Fire, The Godfather Part 2, Serpico, and The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. Liam, again, 
Nice. Yeah. Not top three worst, but not one of my faves. Yeah. Uh, the ominous signs continue if you're Liam. Yes. <laughs> the cinematography is by Vittorio Storaro. Um, Apocalypse Now. The Last Emperor. The Shuddering Sky. Reds, which was directed by Warren Beatty. Last Tango in Paris. And... Uh, the conformist which i wrote down because i feel like mitch was talking to me about it recently i actually just w- watched the conformist last week i went to the there Mayfair f- or for the, to the buy town for a uh, 4k restoration of the film and it looks stunning it's one of the nicest looking films i've ever seen there you go folks and um we've also got tunes by danny elfman and oh who daniel elfman the elf man the uh, elf man the elf man you know elf man Everybody knows Elf, man. He was in Oingo Boingo. <laughs> Maybe he still is. I don't know if you left. <laughs> Oingo Boingo. It's a real band. Don't laugh. That's what they're called. Are you familiar with Oingo Boingo? No. Oh, it's a real band. I'm not telling a joke here. I'm not goofing at all. I'm not funny enough to come up with Oingo Boingo. Um, <laughs> we've also got original songs in this movie by Stephen Sondheim kind of incredible what the fuck <laughs> like um steven sondheim who uh we all recently became very familiar with all over again with into the woods that was him right yeah my my partner abigail uh was in Friend into of the, the woods show. yeah and so yeah she was recently in a, in a production of that and we all went to see it yeah and uh so we're all steven sondheim pilled also and, i mean uh, company what is that? Is that That's another, another musical? Steven Sondheim joint? Yeah, it's another. I don't Sondheim. know anything about musicals at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, when I saw his name, I thought it was um, Steven Sodenberg. Steven Soderberg. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's like, I awesome. just, I, That's that's who I pictured. <laughs> the guy who I knew it, I knew it Ocean's wasn't exactly. Did original <laughs> music for Dick Tracy. Also, uh, Sweeney Todd. Was that Steven Sondheim or yes, Steven it was. Soderberg? Uh, Steven Sondheim. <laughs> not steven soderbergh but his uh his master class like, i gotta do it steven sondheim's no steven soderbergh's <laughs> yes <laughs> oh gosh i don't fucking know uh who we're talking about anymore um but enough about that for now here is the cast um i've never had this happen before so the cast is really long and it's also full of famous people and simultaneously too many people that were uh, maybe a little more famous in the past that I don't know that would require a lot of looking up to get to the bottom of. And there's just a, just a boatload of, of people here. So what I'm going to do is follow suit of the Wikipedia page, which breaks this down into categories. And I don't really have credits for anybody. But if people want to shout things out as we go, that's fine. Does that work for everybody? That works, yeah. I got my, my hand on the buzzer. I'm ready to chime Perfect. in. Uh, so this movie stars Warren Beatty. Um, you might know him from Dick Tracy's special. Tracy zooms in. Um, he uh, He's like a, he's an old-timey uh, gumshoe in a big yellow coat. And uh, he loves fighting crime. His uh, his nemesis is uh, 
Big Boy Caprice, played by Al Pacino. I don't know much to say, to be honest. I haven't seen Scarface. I think I've only seen him in, like, mostly bad movies. Yeah, like, uh, like uh, the Dunkachino movie. Which one does the he Dunk-a-chino? do, Dunkachino? Wait, Liam, do you not know what Dunkachino is? I don't think so. We have to interrupt is that the like podcast a Dunkin' Donuts right- thing? Yes, we have to interrupt the podcast right now. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> everybody get the group chat open because we need to do Dunkachino right now. <laughs> 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 so, Liam, are you familiar with the film Jack and Jill? Oh, Christ. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, I know he was in that, right? He was yeah. like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, have you seen the, the bit where he does the Dunkachino thing? No. It's uh, not would you, Al. It's would you, Dunk. Would you like to? I well, I feel like I I would be doing you a uh, I would be personally wronging you if I said no. Can we do a live reaction to this right now, please? Yeah, yeah, I need so, it. So I've put the link in the chat, and we are going to count down and hit play. Play along at home. Okay, live commentary. It's the forty-nine second video uploaded by Metnicks One. That is correct. So is is everybody paused at zero? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Three, two. One, play. I'm overjoyed. <laughs> so there's a scene from the movie. Don't get you. Oh, it's a music. Did Steven Sodheim do this music? <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's got donuts under his jacket and stuff. I can't tell if this is a scene from the movie or a commercial. Dunkachino. <laughs> so, so kids from 7 to 17 <laughs> He's committed. He's giving it his all. Wow. Oh, no. It, it doesn't have the best part. There's a second version that's 90 seconds. Do we want to do it again? Oh, man. Okay, because I don't want to spoil it, but the reaction after the clip between Al Pacino and and whoever else is, it's fucking hilarious. I've actually never seen the reaction. Oh, you need it. I didn't know there was a Can we get it? Uh, Liam, do you mind? First of all, Liam, I want your assessment of Dunkachino, please. I I thought that was that was quite good. If that's just a scene from the movie, it the is. movie oh, might be no, okay. might be better the, than I think. Okay. No, 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 I got it. I got the full one. I got the full one. Can everybody open up this, please? <laughs> this is the one minute twenty nine second version uh, uploaded by Max Roman. Okay, we can right. go to the forty five mark. Go to the forty five mark. Is okay, that is I'm, everybody? Okay, ready? Is everybody at forty five? Three, two, one. I thought you were going to say play. Is that Andy Samberg in the... Oh, okay. He's editing a little commercial. Yeah. That makes sense. Burn <laughs> it. He doesn't like it. <laughs> I'm very interested in these characters, actually. <laughs> what a weird tone that that is striking that yeah that, dude wow that's a mediocre movie but that's the best part of the film 
Yeah, that I, I've seen, you know, bits of the movie on TV and I always turned it off. I never saw that bit. And this was pretty funny. That was good. I mean, I didn't laugh much, but like I, I appreciate it. I can acknowledge that it's funny. Yeah. Um, Burn this. <laughs> um, back to Dick Tracy. Well, we just sort of let that settle in our brains. Maybe we'll revisit Duncachino at the end of the podcast just to get an assessment. Um, now that it's had time to really rest on our cerebral cortex. Uh, we've got Madonna as uh, Breathless the Blank Mahoney. I don't remember them saying the blank even once, but the Wikipedia tells me that's her name. So um, she's like a like a lounge singer who's horny for Dick Tracy. She sweats better in the dark. She sweats better in the dark. That line is crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> uh, and then we've got Glenn Headley as Tess Trueheart. Which is a pretty on-the-nose name for uh, Dick Tracy's girlfriend that he doesn't care about because he's married to the game. He's just he works too hard. I will say this is somebody who I did not immediately recognize um, of all of the bajillion people in this movie. I, I mean, to be honest, I didn't immediately recognize most of them because they're bathed because of all the prosthetics. prosthetics. Yeah, I guess. But yeah, Madonna's really the only either. one without a prosthetic on. Warren Beatty too. Well, we don't know that. The hat was prosthetic. <laughs> um, and then we've got the kid played by Charlie Corsmo. I did recognize him. You did? Yes. From, yeah. from what? He's in Hook. Okay. He's a uh, he's he's the kid in Hook, and then he is also in a uh, a '90s teen movie from the, from the other end of the '90s called Can't Hardly Wait, and I believe that was his last role. I've actually read about this kid before. Um, he was a child actor, and then he uh, left and he went to law school, I think. Uh, he and now he's just a dude. He acted again in 2019. Also, he was, was given it in an, a Super Bowl commercial for Dick Tracy. He had to keep the rights. <laughs> no, it was a movie called Chained for Life. The next category of character that we'll be talking about is law enforcement. James Keen plays Pat Patton, who is like uh, Dick Tracy's number two guy. Uh, however, I don't know if that means he's the guy in the green suit or the orange suit, but he's the number two guy. That's all I got. He was in Apocalypse Now, if you've seen that film. Uh, he's also in 48 Hours, uh, which has Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy in it. The movie's pretty good. Um, Seymour Cassell plays Sam Ketchum, who's Great the actor. other guy who's either in the orange suit or the green suit, and I don't know. Um, orange. Okay, no, we've gotten to the bottom of it. Uh, so he's been uh, in a bunch of shit. Uh, he's a Cassavetes regular. That's, that's sort of a how he really broke out all right he was known before then too but like faces uh mini moskowitz mini and moskowitz um killing of a chinese bookie to name uh, a he few. also he also did some wes anderson he did the big the big two john casavetes and wes anderson um and then we've got michael j pollard as bug bailey the surveillance guy with big ears he was in a uh, bonnie and clyde among other things but uh there's one just to keep this ball rolling because then we've got charles derning as the police chief who i love a great actor uh from 
Zeppelin. From Zeppelin? Oh, sorry, not from Zeppelin. The Hindenburg. He was uh, in a movie with Burt Reynolds and Dolly Parton called The Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. <laughs> That's something. He's also in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou, apparently. Oh, yeah. No, he's in he's in a lot of great stuff. Uh, the original When a Stranger Calls, Tootsie, Dog Day Afternoon. He's really good in Dog Day Afternoon. To be or not to be, but it's from 1983. <laughs> the Sting, Sisters. Oh, sisters? Yeah. Ah. Uh, interesting. We've got Dick Van Dyke as the DA. Man who needs no introduction. Uh, we've got Frank Campanella as Judge Harper. I recognize his name, but I don't really know why. Um, he was in a bunch of Mel Brooks stuff, I guess. Am I reading this right? Maybe. He was in Death Wish 2. Maybe we'll see him again. Um, and we've got Kathy Bates as the stenographer. That was one of the weirder cameos for me. Just like squinting at the screen. Like, is that fucking Kathy Bates? And it was. So that was weird. Yeah. I, I had no clue that her and James Caan were both in a, uh, a movie together in 1990. That wasn't misery. Huh? Yeah, that is weird. Huh? Um, speaking of James Caan, uh, let's talk about the mob. <laughs> As a category of character on Wikipedia. Uh, we've got Dustin Hoffman as Mumbles. He's a guy who mumbles. A hilarious character. Uh, we've got William Forsyth as Flat Top. Um, a guy with a, f- a big square head. And a flat top. Uh, and most of these names are pretty self-explanatory. Yeah, we got... Well, except for Ed O'Ross, who is Itchy. I don't really know. I don't really know if that got across. We've got James Tolkien as Numbers, who's the accountant. Mandy Patinkin plays 88 Keys, the pianist. Um, we've got uh RG Armstrong as Prune Face. Um, Henry Silva plays Influence, who is Prune Face's number one gunman. Henry Silva is such an iconic actor. I mean, tell just, me why. He's just in so many great Italian so- crime films. Uh, what, like uh, Manhunt, uh, The Boss. Uh, also, just like uh, he was in The Manchurian Candidate, a bunch of stuff. Such a distinct face and profile that like you'll recognize him from anything. I mean, he was uh, in the original Ocean's Eleven from 1960. You know, the, the guy got around and, and around in like international circles too. So he's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Um, I did just scroll through his uh, Wikipedia trying to find the funniest uh, title to use to try to bring this home. And... Uh, I guess I'm going to go with Hey Arnold, the movie. <laughs> the Italian Connection. That's a, a good one with him that I saw recently. Or no, sorry. That was the wrong Wikipedia page I was looking at. I apologize. Paul Sorvino is in Hey Arnold, the movie. And he plays Lips. Lips Manless. <laughs> uh, we got Chuck Hicks as The Brow. Uh, Neil Summers as Rodent. Stig Eldred as Shoulders, who was described as a criminal with broad shoulders. Um, Lawrence Stephen Myers as Little Face, a criminal with a big head and a small face. A big head and a regular size face. A big head and a, and a 
proportionally small face. And then uh, we've got two fascinating cameos here at the end. We've got James Caan as Spud Spaldoni, who tells Al Pacino to fuck off and then uh, dies. Um, and Catherine O'Hara as Texie Garcia, who was just one of the criminals at that big table when Al Pacino like reveals his plan to take over the city. Um, I'm going to rattle off a bunch of other names really fast because there's a name at the very end that I want to say. <laughs> we need the build up. Uh, yes, we do. Uh, we've got Lou Horn, Mike Haggerty, Arthur Mallet, Bert Remsen, Jack Kehoe, um, Michael Donovan O'Donnell, Tom Cinerelli, Jim Wilkie, and Mary Warrenov. Who I didn't even recognize. I also didn't. I didn't know that she was in this until I saw this list. Uh, she is the welfare officer lady who was in one scene. I have no idea where the this movie had the money to get all these people. I know a lot of them are for like one scene. But also like you had Madonna in your movie in 1990. Like the peak of like Madonna being famous. I bet you, you know, he's an older guy. He was probably just calling in favors from friends he's made along the way. He was dating Madonna, so like he was dating Madonna. Yeah, Warren Beatty. Mm Mm-hmm. Really? He's Dick Tracy, bro. Irresistible. Yeah, I guess it explains a lot. Um, that's a. How did you know that? (laughs) But you didn't know the rest of it. I, d- I didn't know it going in. I've I've read since since I watched it. Right, understandable. <laughs> like what? He would have been like in his like late. He was 50s? he was he was like, now early fifties. Okay. He was like fifty three when the movie came out. So uh, the movie Dick Tracy is about Dick Tracy. He is a detective. He wants to clean up the city of crime, whatever city this is. Just big metropolitan city, and uh, there is a gang of mobsters run by big boy caprice um which they like they rob people and like they want to try to take over businesses to like run the town and uh while that scheming is going on they're trying to get dick tracy as their best cop to become the chief of police and he doesn't want to um, his girlfriend would like him to do that, but he's just like married to the game, as I said previously. Um, so he's going out there solving all this crime, and then Big Boy starts making moves to try to like essentially unionize the mob. Uh, is really the only way I can think to describe it. Um, and get everybody under his leadership, and then they can take over the city through cooperation. Um, Along the way, they find a little boy who doesn't have parents and was getting beat up in a shack over a sandwich or chicken, rather. Um, And I don't know. I don't even know how to talk about this because then, like, there's a singer at the club that Al Pacino buys who's horny for Dick Tracy. And then he's in, like, a love triangle. And then he also gets framed for a crime. And then gets arrested, and it's like I think the plot is is kind of immaterial with a a film like Dick Tracy. It's more of just like a a cops and robbers, highs and lows, the mob versus whomever, and it kind of 
it's more of a film about about like mood and, and character and personalities and just these grotesque personalities and these beautiful sound stages all colliding, right? Sure. Well, it's how just cops tell- and robbers really is what it is. Okay. Well, do you like it? Do I like it? Yeah. Hell yeah! I fucking loved it. Okay. Why? Yeah, no. Uh, where to get started? I mean. I love the I, I do think it's a touch long. I think it has like it, its problems for sure. But I love the design of the movie and, and the way that it looks and how like garishly colorful it is. I think it's unique um, as a comic book movie, right? It's kind of refreshing to see this kind of a take on a comic book movie and how they kind of they, they play up those elements of fantasy. I mean, it makes perfect sense that a guy like Sondheim is uh, is here doing this this sort of product because it adds to the to the level of of fantasy it's kind of a pseudo musical and his his sensibility uh drums drums that up in the in the music sequence and so much of the film is told through musical montage that is really well edited and um you know the the characters are all are all likable and the costuming is 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 beautiful and all the prosthetics are are great and distinct and uh, i would definitely like to see this movie again just to because i'm sure i I missed so much i mean just going through the cast and crew i'm like oh fuck it was that person and i didn't even recognize them um yeah i'm i'm really down with this movie uh mostly for uh the formal aspects like i don't really care that much about the the story it's just a basic good versus evil um tale but i i just love the the mood in the in the writing and of course there's the nostalgia there for me as well that that makes me like it and draws me in um but there's also just like so many uh funny bits too i mean like the mumbles interrogations uh, Pacino fucking losing his mind during a dance sequence, trying to train all the the nightclub dancers to be, you know, yeah. really. That also <laughs> implies that like he is a dancer, and he's not. And- he's got this hunchback, and he's like grabbing all of them and getting handsy and being weird. But it's it the, that whole scene is kind of it's just fucking ridiculous. Um, yeah, the, there's a, there's a lot of laughs here. I do find this movie kind of odd because I have no idea who the target audience is. Like it. it, it I think if you showed it to a kid, it might have the target audience is Warren Beatty. Yeah, like if you show it to a kid, there's some themes here that are probably a bit too mature. Even though Dick Tracy is like a comic book for for kids, but and then like maybe it's for like adults that grew up with the film. But again, in the comic book, but that was so long ago. I mean, a lot of them were in like the 30s and 40s and 50s, and I guess it did run until the 70s. But yeah, it's it's just it's a weird film in that, that I'm not, I have no idea who the target audience is for, but I feel like it really hit with me. So you are the target audience. I guess so. What did you guys think of it? I'm dying. I'm dying to know. Uh, guess. I think you liked it. Us collectively or me specifically? You, you specifically. Well, then what do you think? What do you think Liam thought? Uh, Liam was saying that he got through it in two parts. Now it is a long movie. No, no, no. That was that was Corey. Oh, it was I got Corey. through it in two parts. Okay. No, I I, I crushed. Oh it shit! One. Well, I'm that not, changes I'm, everything. Um, yeah. I still think Corey liked list. it. There could be a lot of reasons somebody watches a movie in two parts. True. I still think Corey liked it. I think Liam is going to be a, a little less down with it because it's super polished and yeah, sound stagey. Hates, hates polish. No, but I, I think he hates like big 
uh, Give me the show, showy like studio affairs a lot of times. I feel like Liam's more into like the, the culty stuff, but I feel like he probably felt that there was like enough charm and stuff to, to carry the movie through enough charm and character and personality and, and of course like cosmetics to carry it. Liam, uh, would you say that that is, uh, is that an accurate statement? Not entirely. Um, you're Shit. pretty close though. You're pretty close. <clears throat> I, I did not I did not end up liking it by the end of it. Um but I do agree with a lot of what Mitch said. I think this movie is almost entirely cosmetic. Uh that's where my enjoyment came from at least. Um I think the writing is actually pretty poor. I think a lot of the cast is wasted. I think Warren Beatty is is miscast. Um and I think the character is is so flat and uninteresting. Um, but I think that this is one of the coolest looking movies I've ever seen in my life. Um, and I absolutely loved looking at it. Um, but as the movie unfolded and, and it became clear to me that they weren't doing with that coolness, like, uh, uh, what I thought was much of anything, um, you know, Mitch said the story is is quite slight, and uh, and I think that's a detriment to it. In fact, I think that it even goes further than that, and I think all, all the characters are slight. Um, I don't really think there's a whole lot of fun to be had in the writing. Basically, uh, after learning that this was written by our, our Flintstones Viva in 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 Rock Vegas guys, I'm I'm not all that surprised. I think this script is just is quite poor. I think the the editing of the movie um, really makes this thing plod and like skips over a lot of stuff that I would like to see. That's just alluded to, like like the logical um, editing or or like the like the sense of like like montage like do you feel like it like they they could have cut more out or do you mean like the the style of the editing um i think i i I was okay with the montages um yeah but i think just like the i guess what they decided to focus on like i didn't necessarily think it was too long i just think that what we were I think we could have replaced the time we used to see other things and um and i would have gotten more out of it um you know i think i would have liked to have spent more time with the kid and that relationship or i would have wanted less time with this cast of villains that that uh to me just seemed to show up to give these um famous actors a little bit of screen time and also to pay like a a bit of a nod to this character these characters from the strip that warren Beatty obviously likes and i think it's just like too jam-packed and not very streamlined um so i ended up being disappointed with it but i think if i saw this when i was a kid i think i would have watched it a lot i think i really would have been taken by it just because the visual aesthetic is so cool i've never really seen a comic book put to the screen like this um and i and i absolutely loved it the way the buildings look and the way they sometimes move from one scene to another by zooming out of the characters and you see the city and then you get transported somewhere else like i i really i i want to say that i think that is is 
amazing, incredible. I would love to see more movies in this style. It made me think, as much as I love the the first 90s Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, if it had this flavor to it as well, oh my gosh. So uh, I do think that there's... there's um, merit here, but I think it, it ends up falling short of being um, something that is more memorable. You know, I can, I can kind of understand why it's it's gotten lost in the ether, despite having um, such uh, those strong characteristics, because I don't think it goes, uh, it, it goes beyond that. So I ended up being disappointed. Mm-hmm. Now I, I want Corey. Right. <clears throat> Corey's getting choked up. I, yeah, I am. I love every once in a while just bringing that joke back. It's a joke I really enjoy. I don't know if it's ever left. Uh, yeah, you know, you're right. But y- you get what I mean. Just chucking it in there. A little quick uh, getting choked up. I think I'm somewhere in the middle, probably. Um, This movie is like one of the wildest aesthetic achievements I've ever seen. The look of this movie and the like technical adeptness that would need to go into making this work and the way in which it elevates the tone that they're looking for of basically just like pulling a cereal off the page and really giving it everything, um, just going absolutely nuts, uh, I think is really, really, really cool and unique and special and and worth revisiting kind of on its own merits. Uh, I think earlier on in the movie, I was kind of on board for the, 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 the narrative or story element and how that was being presented just because it's like really jarring. Um, this These mobsters are fucking grotesque and everybody's very off-putting and like gruff and rude and weird and they all exist in this really garish aesthetic world and it's so much to just suddenly take in and everybody's shouting and looks weird and then yeah Pacino's character starts like bossing people around and burying dudes in cement and and feeling up dancers and it's all just like whoa dude like can we just give me a second to like it is one of Pacino's craziest performances (laughs) I think this is like all-time Pacino yeah, me Genuinely. too. Pacino is a fucking maniac in this movie. Second only to Dunkachino. Uh, genuinely. Like, this is... It's serving Dunkachino. Or Dunkachino's serving this, but, like, <laughs> to a lesser degree. Um, This is, like, just an unhinged performance. And this whole movie is so strange. And, yeah, I don't know who it's for. And I don't get it. And in certain ways, but in other ways, it's compelling. Um, uh, I'd like to give a rare bit of praise to the writers, actually. I feel like I was enjoying it well enough near the beginning. There was some lines making me laugh, some snappy bits of dialogue. I I think the dialogue is strong. It's it's everything else that's sort of structurally. I will say a lot of the dialogue was uh, the stuff that was rewritten by Warren Beatty and Bo Goldman, reportedly. So do with that what you will. Um, But yeah, uh, Madonna's dialogue is just like the most... like femme fatale ass dialogue that like anyone's ever written and it's great um very like tonally aware of what it's doing and it's just very strange i have no idea who this movie is for at all 
Um, I can't believe how much money was put into this movie, uh, knowing surely that they weren't necessarily going to get the world's biggest return. I mean, the movie did quite well, but you you know what I mean. Um, that said, it really does lose steam. And uh, for a movie that's only an hour 45, uh, it's like bloated and mm-hmm. weirdly paced and feels long and drags and then just suddenly closes and that like it just kind of took some of the wind out of the sails part of why i watched this in two parts was a i started the movie too late at night but b i it got to the part where dick tracy was being like framed and there was like 35 minutes left still and i was just like i'm i need to do this later that was, whole plot's a bit ridiculous. I was and, just and also bored. Like the whole final reveal too, with the the character that's stalking him, that 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 is impersonating his every move, is or, or impersonating him as well. You know, that's yeah. pretty telepath. And she and they've got the the um, blood and black lace disguise. Yeah, I will say uh, that the twist genuinely got me. Okay, I, I didn't didn't fool me. Liam, did it fool you? As in, like, the, the Madonna twist? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it got me. Yeah, it got me. There's there's one thing that you said when you were talking about why you liked the movie, and, and uh, I, I was reading Roger Ebert's review for this, and he gave this movie four stars. That's the highest honor he I know. He, I, know. He I, can, saw, I saw that, and I was like, honestly, kind of sick. Go, Raj. Yeah, go. <laughs> you go, Raj. But the opening line of his review is, there's there was always something inbred about Dick Tracy comic strip. There's some suggestion that all of its characters had been muti- mutated by the same cosmic rays and then locked together in a bizarre loony bin of crime. Tracy was the first comic strip I encountered after I outgrew funny animals, and what struck me was that the physical appearance of the characters always mirrored their souls or occupations. And I think that that's really true. <laughs> That was one sentence? That was like the lead and then the next line. Oh, I was like, damn, Roger, learn about run-on sentences, my guy. But um, yeah, like the dude who does the wiretapping and is listening in has big ears. Yeah. Like, it's just shit like that. Um, or the informant is fucking mumbles. Cause like, cause he, yeah, because he talks quietly and mumbles. Like, there's this level of like just like strangeness to all of that that i mm-hmm. i do find really endearing um mm. and to a degree i do find something endearing in um how two-dimensional this truly is mm-hmm. but at a certain point it does get a little bit like old hat an hour um, and 45 is a lot for it's, it's this a lot kind of morality play. this yeah like because it is so flat and to Liam's point um it does want to have a lot of like character scenes and mm-hmm. that's fun when like Al Pacino is screaming or people are trading like like uh borderline parody femme fatale and cop lines back at each other but the more straight ahead just like how many times do we just see like Tess Dick Tracy and the kids sit in a fucking diner it's like six goddamn times there's a <laughs> lot of that um at at the heart of this movie, though, I think there is something that is like genuinely charming and and engaging, and and uh, the, it has a lot of really bright ideas and and uh, just 
really fun depictions of the things in fights like and and a, and a comic book style that I, I've never seen anywhere else like that for example the the scene where the kid is introduced and he he steals that dude's pocket watch and runs back to the shack where there's the dude who won't give him chicken and then Dick Tracy and that dude get in the fight inside and they of the rock shed the house back and yeah forth. and the house is that literally shot rocking is so wild from this high angle shot you see the house swaying back and forth and it's it's fucking hilarious and it, and again very much like a, a cartoon kind of style brought to live action it's so unique yeah and um it is there is no way to overstate how good the art direction and production design are here it's i've i've i don't know if i've ever seen anything quite like it there's a shot early on where it pans from there it's either that or tess's apartment over to the club ritz and it goes from like one part of a matte painting to another part of a matte painting that then Mm -hmm. becomes a set and it's just seamless and it's just incredible. Like the technical prowess and just the unique look. I hope you like primary colors uh, because they're everywhere. Um, it's a fascinating look for the movie to have. It's awesome. And it's like primary colors in the lighting too. Yeah. This movie's like, there's a gorgeously montage lit. done later in one of the songs. That's just, people getting like mugged and thrown out of windows and thrown downstairs and shit and every cut is like the room is a different bright color the outfits are a different bright color and somebody's getting like chucked across a room and, and the sondheim music that's just sweeping through yeah. i mean those montages i think are some of the best parts in the film it's just wild yeah yeah dude i love i love all that stuff um i just like i because I love that so much, I wish that it was like in service of a movie that I could totally champion. Um, That's totally fair. It just yeah. isn't, you know? Yeah. And yeah. I understand why you can't. Like the flaws are apparent and uh, present for much of the movie. Like mm-hmm. if it doesn't work at the beginning, it's not going to work at the end. It's a true oddity. I'm just so glad that this movie exists and and that somebody went through like all of this effort just to 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 bring this vision to the screen because it's by so, somebody you mean Warren Beatty. But I mean Warren Beatty, but it's just so unlike anything I've ever seen, and and it's got such a strong voice, and I'm just I'm glad it exists, even though I think it is a flawed movie. I just had so much fun just devouring the the scenery. Yeah, like the point, the 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 uh, the scene I can't forget is the one where Al Pacino is giving the dancers directions. Yeah, it's just it's it's like an assault on the. It's senses. hilarious. It's crazy, man. Oh wow, it's just so much. Um, and similarly, like when he has like that meeting of all the mobsters and um everybody's like sitting around the table and talking really genuinely anytime al pacino talks i'm i'm down Mm -hmm. Uh, oh al's so good i love the the scene the visuals in the scene where tracy's character is introduced and he's at the opera and there's that that shot behind his head and he answers his phone and just in the in the four i guess that's in the foreground in the background there's just this incredible uh set I, I'll, I'll like never forget that and I'll never forget the the split diopters in this movie they're oh literally everywhere somebody right when Warren Beatty started making this movie somebody told him what a split diopter was and he was so excited yeah they're, there's like they're one everywhere and they're like needless it's like well I feel like that's it's that forced comic book perspective 
Yeah, yeah, I loved it. I loved how the big can of how chili. frequent they were. Because in in a lot of movies, you'll get them, you know, once or twice for a very specific shot. Unless I if loved it's the that they were. <laughs> then you get that more. They were. Yeah, I loved that they were just just so generous with them because it really did feel like just a a comic book panel where everything's in focus. That's an interesting way of describing it. Will this be one that you guys think you'll revisit? I probably could, sure. No, dude, I don't think so. Um, I mean, like, it would be great. I don't know if there's like a 4K of this, but it would be great to see on a big screen Mm -hmm. and and test out. I don't think I would sit through the whole thing. Um, I think I get get a lot out of it just like in those first 20 minutes. Honestly, um, once the climax really picks up near the end... um, and I think I think the climax is pretty needless too, and is is kind it of just killing time, needless. and d- doesn't have much dramatic weight to it. But once once they we get more interior scenes, I think um, the the cool stuff from the beginning. And when I say cool stuff, I mean like a lot of those those outdoor shots and and the split diopter shots, um, stuff that is just cool. Uh, pacing and and world building, a lot of that stuff goes away anyway. So I think a lot of the what I enjoyed about the movie was early on anyway. So I would, I would like to see that stuff again, but I don't, I don't know that I'd be eager to sit through the the whole thing. Um, at least not until enough time passes where I start to wonder how I feel about this movie again and just, just think of the good stuff. And then I'd try it again and I'd see how I feel then. Um, but, but right now it's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm only into it because of the, the art design. I'd be very curious to watch it with people that don't really know what it is or what the deal is. And ideally maybe even in a theater, like you're saying, like just really amp it up. But I would be very curious to know like what the, what somebody's reaction to it is like in a group setting. It's weird. Like, I feel like I, there ought to be more to say, but it's just like, I don't know, man. It's just a weird fucking movie. (laughs) Yeah, there's other movies that this film kind of reminds me of. Like, I don't know if, if either of you have seen The Hudsucker Proxy by the Coen Brothers. I've heard of it. With uh, I haven't even heard of it. Oh, it's it's a weird movie. I think from like around this time, the 90s or the, the early 2000s. Paul Newman's in it. A bunch of people are in it. Uh, but again, it kind of has that mid-century overproduced style uh but again with a narrative that is not really that interesting but just lots of really great bits yeah well you know what like i don't feel like this movie has a lot of great bits but but that would be enough for me you know it doesn't have to be a drama that um really gets me invested in all the characters i think that's sort of what it's 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 uh trying to be um you know i don't don't mean hard drama but i do think this is supposed to get you invested in the characters and following along with this story and i thought the characters were too flat for that but if it if I felt it went in the other direction and was just like a lot of cool set pieces and, um, and a lot of, uh, um, like set up and pay off jokes, I, I would like it more in that way then too. I think you would um, like the Hudsucker proxy better because it, it's yeah, got a better sense that's of humor, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that sounds cool to me. I'm not, I'm not totally against movies that are just, uh, you know, a lot of, um, just just visual fun to them and if i heard any director or or any like reviewer say that a movie reminded them of dick tracy 
I would I would rush to see that movie because I imagine they would be talking about the the visual aesthetic. And so if a film was coming out and and the filmmaker said I was really inspired watching Dick Tracy as a kid, or I I referred to Dick Tracy when I was watching this movie, I would be like sick. I need to see that. Mm-hmm. An interesting film, a flawed film, but an interesting yeah. film. Madonna's pretty good. She's great. I think she's really wonderful in yeah. this movie. I haven't really seen yeah. Madonna act much, but uh, go off. Yeah, she was one of my favorites. She she really does just have this this air about her, this charisma. Um, just totally suits that character, um, and and commands commands the screen when she's on it in a way that I didn't feel like Warren Beatty did, and that disappointed me because he is such a central figure in in this movie and so knowing that it was sort of his project and uh and his thing i i can't help but feel like he he just put himself in that main role because he could and because he wanted to but but i think i would like this movie a considerable amount more just if that actor was switched um because i i didn't really feel the charisma from him i thought he his facial expressions for m- most of it were pretty uh were pretty blank he doesn't really have any rises and falls um though i will say there were a couple moments where i actually was blown away by his acting little tiny moments um there's one where um uh let me find it here it's it's when it's when the kid shows him uh, his his new name certificate that says Dick Tracy Jr. And if you watch Warren Beatty's eyes and like the you can see the way that it's affected him emotionally and and made him so proud, but like he doesn't want to show it. And that was that was absolutely beautiful. But I think um, by and large, I I thought that he was sort of a uh, sort of flat in the role and i think the writing didn't really do him any favors i thought the the dick tracy character was pretty flat like i didn't know what he wanted i didn't know um uh you know he i i I thought the movie told us a lot like the kind of guy he is but i didn't think that the movie actually showed it all that much so what did you guys think of him in the role I'm a fan of his acting, so I thought that he was he was strong here. I, I really think that I couldn't think of casting anybody else, and I, I would be interested like who you would rather cast um, in the role because I think I think Warren Beatty does a really good job here. I think it's sort of familiar territory. I mean, I'm thinking of films like Bonnie and Clyde, those kind of mid-century. Of course, he's on the other side of the law in that film, but a similar uh, similar strengths. With the with the character, the sort of silent, strong, um, that that type of character, uh, silent, strong, polished, handsome. I think like all all of those things are going for it. I think he's he's perfectly good here, and I think that that he was right in casting himself for it because I I can't <laughs> envision anyone else. Fair enough. What about you, Corey? I'm probably somewhere in the middle again. Um, I think he's kind of boring. It's certain elements and then uh, is a lot of fun in others. Uh, I think he's having a lot of fun here. It's pretty obvious. Like yeah. during the montage this is, sequence this is where, where he's fulfillment for Warren Beatty. <laughs> like let's not, let's make no mistake. During the montage where he's busting dudes and, and he's he's popping out from under tables, like jumping up like peekaboo and like busting guys with guns. Like it's clear that he's having a lot of fun or when he's walking slowly with the Tommy gun. I mean, it's, it's all just like great. <laughs> 
great stuff. It's obvious that he had a blast playing this part. And and if that's not obvious, I mean, like just the fact that he's tried to renew the rights and he's so <laughs> he holds them so close. It's obvious that it's a role that he holds very near and dear. Yeah. And it's interesting uh, looking at his filmography that like he hasn't done much since and he didn't even do a whole lot in the years leading up to it. Like it's a lot of 60s and 70s stuff. And then he's sort of just been chilling and it says that he's been trying to get a sequel made um i feel like he would have no qualms coming back and playing dick tracy as an 80 year old man that would be interesting to see i would love to see a modern version of this movie especially by him to be honest just so we can ensure that we're gonna get his take on those those visuals again i would love to see that updated to a modern day and see and see what that looks like well i guess we're all done talking about dick tracy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Woo! does that work <laughs> is that a seamless cut that's seamless i guess we'll find out um so the pick is mine the pick is mine and um i was thinking about this movie recently a while ago we did 12 angry men and there's an actor in that movie who is also in the movie I'm going to pick, and I just didn't know that, and it reminded me that this movie existed. Um, and uh, the rest of the cast is actually quite a bit more notable in terms of like immediate name recognition, but uh, I'm compelled, and I'm, I'm curious about this, and it's not a style of movie I think we do very often, so uh, I'm, I'm interested. We are going to be talking about the 2005 remake of the movie Assault on Precinct 13. Let's go! Why are you so excited? I was honestly thinking about the original like yesterday. That's, In fact, it's weird. Yeah, well, we were talking about like John Carpenter movies because I recently went to go see The Thing at the Mayfair the uh, with my buddy Brandon and we were talking about how much this music slaps and I was like, Precinct 13 has got to be one of his best. Uh, the remake, by the way, stars uh, Ethan Hawke, Lawrence Fishburne, uh, John Leguizamo, and Ja Rule. Okay, I look forward to it. And also Gabriel Byrne. <laughs> oh, fuck. And, I uh, love Gabriel Byrne. And Brian Dennehy. <laughs> I love Ja Rule, so this is going to be We famously do of sort of love Ja Rule. Um, he's got a song called I'm Real, Murder Remix. <laughs> what more do you need? <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's, uh, Assault on Precinct 13. Uh, Mitch, do you have anything you'd like to plug? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> Liam, do you have anything you'd like to plug? I've got a film writing alter ego, Graham the Haunted Marshmallow. Uh, you can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd. The username is Graham the Mallow. It's really jarring to hear Mitch just say no. Am I crazy? Yeah, he's he's normally a yes man. Yeah. Or he's got he's an agreeable guy. Or he's got some sort of theatrical production plan, you know what I mean? Like he's got he's got a theme going. It's the new setup, the fact that we're not on Zencaster anymore, I'm on Audacity. I'm just worried. I'm worried about throwing everything <laughs> off, hitting weird. my keyboard a little too hard, hitting the space bar maybe, fucking everything up. I think that would be... I'm walking on eggshells. No, I think it would be funnier <laughs> if you just suddenly stopped recording. Also, it's the last thing you say, so it wouldn't matter because the episode is over. I would encourage you to continue your outbursts is all I'm saying. 
Uh, but seeing as that will not be the case today, I will uh, I will give my plugs. Um, my plugs are different now. Uh, <laughs> after the episode that we did last week, uh, which included an extensive discussion of uh, online usernames and handles and the potential changes one could make to those, I did that. So every 200 other fucking times I made plugs on this show, none of them are correct anymore. Uh, so now's your chance to, to get up to speed. And um, if you want to follow me on, on Twitter, it's uh, at a pastel heart. Like like pastel colors, heart, like the thing in your chest. Um, a, like the first letter of the alphabet. Absolutely, yes. A pastel heart. Uh, because I thought it sounded like a cute, nice little phrase, and um, it's not my name. It was a little bit uh, needless formality. Um, so we've we've pivoted away. Uh, my letterbox isn't that yet because I couldn't figure out how to change it. Uh, oh, I've just discovered actually I can't. Is the okay? So my letterbox is still <laughs> Mr. Corey Price unless I pay the money, which I did not realize. Uh, so, so I'm going to have to get to the bottom of a seamless way to say these plugs now that I have to juggle two different names. Um, if you want all the links actually to stuff that I usually have, it's just mortal Kombat conquest.ca. Uh, it's all there. Um, you know what plugs haven't changed though? It's, uh, the plugs for this show. Um, and thank you all once again for listening to this show and this episode of they made another one. You can, thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you for being on it. Liam. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having Mitch, me. Mitch, thank you. Mitch left quietly oh this time. Uh, you can still find us all over the internet on Twitter at they made another, which is all one word, on Letterboxd at TMAO. And uh, we are also on Instagram at TMAO. I haven't really been using it yet. Uh, we may end up pivoting from being Twitter-oriented to being Instagram-oriented. Um, I don't really know yet. Uh, I don't use the Twitter a lot. And, and honestly, that website's just sort of like aggravating to use now. And I don't know how much actual extra visibility we get over there. So if there's this hard pivot, uh, you'll all be the first to know. But if you don't care about social media at all, you can also find episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else as they made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and who you would cast as Dick Tracy um, instead of Warren Beatty. This is when we learn that Warren Beatty listens to the podcast. Oh my podcast. god, what a thrill. He's going to write a, email us an essay about how he was the right man for the job. I would, I'd read it. I got time, Warren, if you're listening. Um... Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find it on Instagram at Jade Sketches. And uh, with all that out of the way, uh, we're going to figure out what happened during the assault on Precinct 13 next week. And they made another one. Uh-huh.